helping disciple-makers ignite a movement locally and globally. This is the Disciple First Podcast. Now, here's your host, Craig Etheridge. Welcome back to the Disciple First Podcast. It's a podcast by disciple-makers and for disciple-makers. And I'm, my name is Craig Etheridge. I'm your host. And today, we're listening in on Tommy Nelson. Tommy Nelson is a pastor of Denton Bible Church located in Denton, Texas. And for uh, more than 30 years, he has led a disciple-making ministry in that church. Tommy's also been featured on Focus on the Family, Family Life Today, Josh McDowell for Faith and Family, and other national broadcasts. Uh, He has a master's degree from Dallas Theological Seminary and has a wealth of experience in making disciples in the local church. Now, what we're going to do today is follow up on our previous broadcast with uh, the second half of a sermon that he gave at the Flashpoint Conference where he said, this is what I'd tell pastors if they wanted to make disciples in the church. So listen in on the back half of that sermon. Well, the fifth point is that the final revelation of God is the one that is called the exact representation of his nature. The one who says, Lord, show us the Father. Have I been so long with you, Philip, and you don't know? He that has seen me has seen the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The author of Hebrews says, God who spoke to the Jewish fathers in many portions and in many ways in this last day, has spoken in his Son, and he is the image of the invisible God, the exact representation of his nature, that God now has given a perfect representation of himself. This man that lived 33 years, had a three-year ministry. You know how many days we have of his ministry? 52 days, and they're sound bites. And John says, we're lucky because if God told us everything, we couldn't put it in the libraries of the earth of what this man did. And so in your Bible, it goes anticipation in the Old Testament, manifestation, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, proclamation in the book of Acts, explanation in the epistles, consummation in the book of Revelation. It all points like a menorah to this one in the middle. And so God has shown man who he is. Are you with me? Can you dig it? All right. Number six. Jesus Christ died, rose from the dead, sent his Holy Spirit to convert man, left his knowledge with the Jew and the 12 Jewish apostles. The Jews rejected that revelation. You know what God said in the book of Deuteronomy? He prophesied, you made me jealous by those which are not God's. I will make you jealous, Israel, by those which are not a nation and by a stupid people. Will I anger you? Question, who's the stupid people that God is now going to give his word to to glorify himself after sitting Israel on the bench? Who are the idiots? Look around. It's us. I, you know, in Texas, we have in high school blue chip athletes, the guys that all the conferences want. And then you got guys that are called cow chips. I was a cow chip. 
I quarterback to Waco Richfield. I was highly assault by TCU and uh, Navarro Junior College. <laughs> well, what do you do when you have a blue chip athlete that won't play? You sit him down. Who do you put in his place? Cow chip. Because cow chip will rest upon the coach. Israel was the blue chip nation. They rejected the prophets, they rejected Jesus, they rejected Peter, they rejected Paul, then they rejected the gospel. 70 AD, they got destroyed. Guess who God put in their place? Cow chips. Look around. Somebody needs to name a church, Craig, Cow Chip Bible. (laughs) That would preach, you know. We're cow chips. And you know what God has done with us now? He has broken the power of sin, and by His Word, we can be, Ephesians chapter 4, renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created us. Colossians 3, we can be renewed by true knowledge according to the image of the one who created us. Romans 12, 2, present yourself to God, living holy sacrifice, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 2 Corinthians 12, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we gaze as in a mirror, that is Christ, the mirror that reflects God, His image. We gaze as in a mirror, the glory of God and are being transformed into the same image. From glory unto glory, one stage of glory to the next stage of glory, as from the Lord who is the Holy Spirit, as we look upon Christ in His Word, as He has preached, God by His grace and Holy Spirit changes us to be like Him. The image of God is now restored in the church. Are you with me? That's who we are. Where the fountain, man can now come back to his original father, and he can know who he is. How does that happen? God takes Christians, and we share the gospel, and we bring men to the knowledge of God, and then we teach them to obey all that he has commanded us. You know, you can take a bottle, a Coke bottle. Do they still make Cokes in bottles? Got that Coke bottle, okay. You can stuff it full of wires. That's man's thinking apart from God. He's shaped into the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Take that Coke bottle, put it in a sack, take a hammer, smash. That's called conversion. Now the bottle is broken. But when you take those wires out, you know what they look like? A Coke bottle. Have y'all discovered that just because you got converted, you didn't immediately get fixed? You know what has to take place now? To be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the Word of God, that which for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, and as we behold Christ, we are changed by God's grace. You know, I had a big brother named Bob, and our family would never go to Christmas at the same time he was there because he and his wife fought like cats and dogs. And one Sunday, Bobby got to the point, he hit the bottom, his two kids went through three divorces in 18 months. And he 
was at the, he was in his late 50s, and he looked up and he just said, I've reached all I'm going to reach. This is it. And I am empty. And it occurred to him, maybe I'm not autonomously the smartest mind in the universe. And he showed up in church one Sunday. I was up preaching. I looked out and there he was in church. I stopped my message. And I said, because they would always send tapes to my mother. And I said, Mama, Bobby's in church. (laughs) And then I looked up a couple of Sundays later and he was serving communion. It scared me. I jumped out of the way. I thought fire was going to come down. He was serving communion, and then he came up to me and said, hey, y'all want to come over to our house sometime for a brisket? And I said, ah, I don't know, okay. We came over there, and it was pleasant. He was seated and clothed and in his right mind. (laughs) And he came up to me and he said, you know, I read your book on, uh, it's called The Big Pictures, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Is there any more stuff on this? Yeah, Lots of them. And he starts reading his Bible. And then he comes up to me one day, and this is not an exaggeration. This is what he asked. He said, I've been reading my Bible. I got to ask you something. Because he was inseparable from his Bible. He had found great joy. And he said, uh, Whenever the bones come together in the book of Ezekiel, is that Israel being gathered together in the tribulation? waiting for the wind to come upon them in Christ's return when they become a regenerated nation? And I said, yeah. (laughs) And then he comes up a little bit later. He starts driving down. I did the Metro Bible study at Prestonwood for about seven, eight years, and he'd drive down with me. He'd come to the Wednesday morning men's study, come to church, he would drive down with me on Monday. He couldn't get enough of the Word of God. He came to me a little bit later, and he said, I really, oops, he said, I really want to have uh, some place to share this with others. You got any really bad guys? I said, we got a jail ministry. He started going to the jail ministry. He got so hooked in it that, I mean, he would get up at the, after the first service on Sunday and flee out that door to get to the jail. If, if he had a, to make a choice between his six-figure job and that jail ministry, He'd have took that jail ministry. He spent all of his time in jail fulfilling a prophecy of my mother. Okay. (laughs) My brother died 18 months ago from myelofibrosis, and he died a joyous man. I'm here to tell you, the greatest thing you can do is what God does through his son, and that is to take garrison demoniacs and to break their shackles and to leave them seated and clothed in their right mind through the Bible. If you can find something greater than this, go tell Craig and we'll all do it. But you can't do more than this right here. And that's the last point. Someday it shall not it has not appeared what we shall be, 1 John 3, 1. But when he appears, we shall be like him, for we'll see him as he is. And he that has this hope fixed on him purifies himself. Someday we will look on him, Revelation 21, God will be among us, and we will see his face in the beatific vision, no morning crying death nor pain, and we will be restored like sons back home 
in the image, the full, complete image of God. Isn't that great? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've asked my mother to come to the service right here. That's her right there. And so, that is what, Craig, I would share with a church as to why we do discipleship. Because God has given us, you know, Jesus said first words out of his mouth, son, where were you? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Whenever he ascended to glory, you know what he said to us? You're to be about your father's business. If I was the devil, I'll tell you what I would do. I would take the guys, the Semites, that have instructed the Japhethites and the Hamites and given us the word of God, I would take the guys that have the insight on the greatest idea of all time, and I would get them first to depart from truth. I would get them to liberalize their Bible and to break the boundaries of divine revelation, to add their thoughts to God's thoughts. That's what I would do. And if I couldn't get them to depart, I would disqualify them. I would get you sleeping with somebody else's wife. I would get you hooked on porn. I would get you eat up with pride, and I would disqualify you that nobody could believe what came out of your mouth. I would do a vasectomy on you. I would take away your fruitfulness. If I couldn't do that, I would distract you. I would get you busy someplace else rather than the Father's business. If I couldn't distract you, I would divide you. I would give you social BO where you couldn't get along with anybody. You couldn't function in the church. You got any of them guys around here, Craig? Would you like some more? I'll pay the freight. I got a whole Sunday school class called the Horses Rear Sunday School Class at my church. People that no other church will have. Get out of here. Where do I go? Go to Newton Bible. If I couldn't divide you, I'd discourage you. I would let you see it's tough, and I would get you to quit. And if I couldn't discourage you, I'd endanger you, where you're just chicken to take up your cross, and I'll make you go silent. And if I couldn't do that, I would be the great dragon that would go after the seed of the woman, and I'd kill you. I'd put you to death. But I would silence you if I could. God has given us the greatest privilege that a human can have, and that is the ability to handle the Word. When I was in college, I didn't know you got heaven out of the deal when you got saved. A guy came to my room. He asked my roommate, you a Christian? He said, yes. He said, what's a Christian? And he gave him what I thought the answer was. You keep the Ten Commandments. I was sitting on the other side of the room. And I thought, yeah, good answer. Keep the Ten Commandments, yeah. And the guy could have said a lot of things to my roommate. He could have said, name them. My roommate had been in trouble. He knew there was an adultery in her somewhere. Or he could have said to him, find them. He could have handed him a Bible. He said, find them. Couldn't have done that. You know what he said to him? He said, you keep them? You've never looked at a woman who committed adultery? You've always been obedient to your parents. You've never lied. You've never coveted and put anything ahead of the glory of God. My roommate was silent. Just like Habakkuk says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. God has shut up all in disobedience. And I was silent too. And then he turned to my roommate and he said, 
God didn't give the Old Testament for us to earn His favor by. He gave the Old Testament law to show us we're sinners, to drive us to His forgiveness in Jesus. And all of a sudden, I understood the relationship between Charlton Heston and Jim Caviezel. All right. (laughs) Between Old Testament and Christ. And I said, wait, what? What'd you say? He said, yeah, Christ came to die because we can't keep it. He lived the life we can't because we can't live it. He comes into us, we're forgiven, and we become what God meant us to be. And I said, Eureka. I was a quarterback. I was a lot smarter than that defensive lineman that was over here. He blew it off and became a bouncer in a Houston topless bar. Then he became a lawyer. I'm just saying he did. It bounced off of him and it hit me. And I thought to myself, if that is not truth, it should be. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. A couple of months later, God broke me. I got saved. I didn't know I got to go to heaven. All I knew was my life was full of joy. This defense, offensive lineman, son of me, John Bowles, came up to me. I was working out in the weight room, and he just stood there and looked at me. This is big John Wayne, Tom Selleck-looking guy, and he was just looking at me. And he said, what happened to you? How you mean? You're, you're different. You're light. You're happy. You're funny. You're, you ain't what you were. Offensive linemen have no sense of approach. I said, you know all that Jesus stuff? Yeah, it's true. I'll never forget his response. The hell you say? <laughs> yeah. He said, I was Church of Christ. I said, I was Methodist. I said, we're both damp, you know. But I said, it's true. I trusted Jesus, my Savior. He came and he died, and he's really changed my life. No. Came back for two-a-day workouts in August, looked up, John Bowles walked in. I took one look at him. He had never smiled, ever. He was recorded as smiling once in like 1964 or something. But I saw him and he went, I said, you did it. He said, I did. I took this girl out named Jan. She had the same story as you. I, I became, John, I named my kid after him. He's still today my best friend, my best man in my wedding. Buried his wife five years ago. He became a best pal. Came into my room one time, and there was a guy talking to my roommate, played center from Abilene Cooper named Clark Lawrence. He was talking to John about the rapture, two offensive linemen talking about eschatology. John said, hey, Tommy, come here. He said to Clark, ask Tommy. He's a genius. I I had a Bible, all right? And I started talking to him. Clark got up, went down to his room, got saved, came back. He said, what do I do now? My second son's named John Clark Nelson, after those two guys. And so they became my best friends. And we began seeing guys come to Christ. I was a student teacher at Louisville High School. This coach gave me a, I gave this coach a magazine about, from the AIA, Athletes in Action. He said, you're a Christian? Yeah. Did you talk to my FCA group? I said, yeah, I guess, Ken. I came, I got this message called Peace, Pardon, Purpose, and Power. I had memorized it. And I went in. Hi, fellers. It's good to be here. <laughs> and I shared with them about God's love. When I finished, there were 16 of them. I said, well, I'm done. I don't guess any of y'all want to become Christians. Eight of them held their hands up. I said, you're kidding. We went off to the side, and they prayed, and their lives got changed. They said, hey, could you come talk to our high school? I said, no. 
I was scared. I pressed that. Let me pray about it. Maybe God would tell me not to share the gospel with 1,500 people. I said, all right, I'll do it. And then I said to God, I said, God, you're going to regret it. I was Barney Fife. I had one bullet. All right. (laughs) I went in and shared. And you know what? God blessed that meeting with his grace. And then I found out, hey, you could do this for a lifetime of ministry. And then I found out you get paid for it. And here I am today. (laughs) Can we spend a lifetime doing this? If you find something better, come tell me. But there's nothing any better than this. Because I've said, this is life. Bringing guys to Christ and investing my life. I don't care if you're a plumber, a bank teller, transmission specialist. That's your living. This is your life. Well, pray with me here. Father in heaven, what blessedness we can do for our race than to tell them of Christ. Might you never let me rest and make my life autonomous in itself. But our lives, all of this, this church, my church, all churches could take up the grand commission of restoring man back to the image of God. What a delight. We'll ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, that was Tommy Nelson in a powerful message on disciple-making and, and walking with God and investing your life in others. And if you want to hear more resources like this, go to disciplefirst.com. Disciplefirst is your one-stop shop for resources and training on disciple-making. You can also go to the flashpointconference.com where you can hear from speakers, all across the country, we have conferences, flashpoint conferences in Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, and Zambia in 2016, and then other locations in 2017. So go to flashpointconference.com or disciplefirst.com for more resources. And until then, go make disciples.